to match his. Even when my heart wandered away, he remained true with his unrelenting love. Because of him, my heart is full. He knows me. He has always known me. And this is the greatest love story ever told. Because he pursues me. Oh, well, good morning, church. Good morning. Happy Easter. It's Easter Sunday morning. I love, I love, I love Easter. What a great time to celebrate our risen Savior. Uh, you know, I, when I was growing up, I heard a lot about love, probably like all of us, right? You, you grow up and you have these visions of the knights in shining armor, right, rescuing damsels in distress, or, or maybe you grow up watching Disney movies and there's princes and princesses, and, and you kind of are around this whole thing of of love, and you hear it in all the songs, right, and you kind of see it in movies, and you hear about love, you see love, and you're, you're around it a lot. Now, for me, when I was middle school, high school, I, I was around love, but it, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. I mean, I was, you know, playing basketball, baseball, was, all my time was with sports, I was hanging out with the guys, and I would date off and on, but it was kind of like, yeah, okay, you know, there's other things to do, and so it wasn't a priority. And then I get to college. And in college, you know, I dated, and, and it was fun, but, but there wasn't a girl that just blew me away. It wasn't my, it just wowed me. It was, and so in college, I'm studying and doing all the things, hanging out, playing sports, and it was, it was great. And then after college, all of a sudden, all my guy friends are starting to get married, right? And so now I'm a groomsman in all of these weddings. It's 100 bucks for a tux every time. I'm like, really, you know? And so, but here I am, and at all these weddings, I'm with all my guys, and and it was still kind of, you know, that thing that's out there that people do, but, but it really wasn't, you know, for me yet. And then I moved to Tennessee. And here I was, a young adult, and I just moved to Tennessee after college, and I'm, I'm working at a church downtown Nashville. I'm a student pastor, and this girl calls me. And she was like the head of the, you know, single adult department or whatever, and, and she was the part of this Sunday school class. They were having some big Christmas party. I didn't really know. She didn't know who I was. She just, my name was on some roll, and she called me, and, and so I, I'm starting to talk to her. She's telling me about the Christmas party, and I said, well, that sounds great. Tell me about you, and so she's like, okay, and so for two hours, we talked on the phone, and I was like, whoa, wow, wait a minute. Hold on. This girl is pretty awesome. She loves Jesus. She's involved in church. She loves missions, and, and so I said, I'm going to that party. You know, I don't care about anything else, but I'm going to go to that party, and sure enough, I mean, it was a it was a big deal party. I mean, people are dressed up. Everybody's dressed nice. And so I put on my best suit, and I go to this party. It was at a house, this massive house. It was all decorated for Christmas. And I walk in, hardwood floors. There was a spiral staircase that came down in the living room. And I was going, wow. And so I'm starting to ask people. I'm like, hey, do you, do you know Lisa Lanier? Hey, do, you, do you know Lisa Lanier? you know Lisa Lanier? And they're like, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm like, where is she? Like, I don't know. I don't know. And this one guy, finally, I go, hey, do you know Lisa Lanier? And he goes, yeah, there she is. And he pointed up, and she's coming down the spiral staircase, okay? No lie, right? Black dress, okay? And here she comes down. It was like, whoa, you know, and I was going, whoa. I was a goner. I mean, hook, line, and sinker, I was done. And she was the most beautiful woman I had ever seen, and she still is. You know, I mean, it was just amazing. And I thought, okay, there's something different here. And I got to know her, and we spent time together, and we dated, and everything was different this time. And there I was one day standing at an altar, looking her in the eye and making a commitment of my life. And saying, hey, there was something about hearing about love, but all of a sudden now this is personal. This is real. 
that this is where I want to invest my life. Welcome back. We're in a great series called God's Pursuit of You. And it's incredible to think about that the God of the universe has been pursuing you. The God of the universe inviting you into a relationship with him through his son. Now, we started the series, we looked back at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 1, we saw where God created man. God created man for a relationship with him. In fact, if you've ever wondered, why was I created? What is my purpose? It's this, is that you were created for a relationship with God. And so often we try to fix our circumstances, we try to fix the people around us, we try to fix our spouse, but, but it all makes sense when this relationship is right. And out of this relationship, everything else overflows. This relationship impacts all of our other relationships, all the things of our lives. And so God created man, Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, put them in this incredible garden, and things were great until Genesis chapter 3 and the breakup. As man and woman said, God, we don't want to do it your way. We want to do it our way. I know you've given us all of this, but, but there's this one tree. We, we want that. And sin entered the world. Now, we know about sin, don't we? I mean, the Bible says we've all sinned, but that's not a newsflash to any of us. We know that. We, we know our own sin. We know our own mistakes. And the incredible news of the Bible is this, is that even when they sinned, that God didn't give up on them. And God doesn't give up on you. God loved them. And the entire Old Testament is about God carving out a people for himself called the Israelites, from whom he will bring the Messiah, the salvation of the world. And God sent these guys prophets to say, hey, listen, God loves you. God cares about you. Come back to God. And finally, in the New Testament, God shows the full extent of his love by sending his one and only son. Last week we looked at Jesus came in on Palm Sunday, riding on the back of a donkey and coming into Jerusalem in the fever pitch in the city. There's a stir in the city. Everybody wondering about Jesus. He had spent 33 sinless years on this earth. Now he has these 12 disciples who's been doing ministry, healing people, redeeming and restoring. And he comes in and the Romans and the Jewish leaders thought that he was leading a political movement. They, they were looking for a political Messiah. Many people today are looking for a political Messiah, aren't they? And yet what Jesus was doing was so much more. Jesus was coming to heal people spiritually. Jesus was coming to make this relationship right, not just for the people back then, but for all of us even today. But they didn't get it, and they didn't understand it. And so he's arrested, he's beaten, He's nailed to a cross, and that Friday he's put in a tomb, and it seems like all hope is gone. And Saturday, it's quiet. Jesus is dead. It seems like evil is won, but that was Saturday, and today is Easter Sunday morning. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you up with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the first four books of the New Testament. Uh, in fact, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. We have some free Bibles that are in the back. We'd love for you to take one, and it's yours. Just put your name in it. It's your Bible. love for you to have it. If you've, you've never read it, just kind of start in Matthew. And read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because these are eyewitness accounts of Jesus. This talks all about Jesus. 
And, and you know, in a courtroom, I mean, what's the most powerful testimony is an eyewitness. And so here we have eyewitnesses of what happened in Mark chapter 16. Now, Mark was written from the perspective of the disciple Peter. Peter. Peter was a, a guy who, who, who was a good guy. I mean, he grew up as a good Jewish boy. He would go to temple. You know, he knew about religion. He'd studied the Old Testament. He was a guy who was waiting for the Messiah like the rest of the Jewish people. And, and Peter had a good life, right? He had a good life. I mean, he was married. He, uh, you know, had a fishing business. He was a business guy. He was made money. He was successful. He had this kind of good life. But yet, Peter knew there was something missing. And Peter started thinking about, is my life really just about being born and dealing with some scaly fish and then dying? Is that it? Doesn't there have to be more to life? Isn't there more? Isn't there something different? And one day, his brother Andrew says, hey, hey, Peter, 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 we heard this guy teach. And people are saying he's the Messiah. Why don't you come check him out? And Peter goes and listens to Jesus teach. And he's thinking, wow, this is different than the religion I grew up in. This is, this is different. There's something more here. And so for three years, Peter followed Jesus around. And he learned a lot about God. But it was up here. It was knowledge. And then he saw as Jesus was arrested. He saw as Jesus was nailed to a cross. And he was scared. And instead of standing up for Jesus, he begins to deny Jesus. No, I didn't know him. Uh-uh. Woo. No, 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 no. Somebody else. Did you know him? No, no, no. I didn't know him. Did, did, no, no, no. That wasn't me. Three times he denied Jesus. And then Jesus dies. And Peter's heartbroken. And Peter thinks, oh, that was my hope. What happened? And what is life really about? And then everything changed. Mark chapter 16, look at verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Now, I love how the women were so faithful. I mean, the women were with Jesus. They, they were committed. And they go because they couldn't on that Friday when Jesus was put in the tomb. And Saturday was Shabbat, the Sabbath. You couldn't be around a dead body. And so very early, verse 2, on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? You see, the Romans and the Jewish leaders were the ones who killed Jesus, because, right, they thought it was a political messiah. They thought he was leading an, a rebellion, an uprising. And the Romans specialized in killing people. I mean, they were masters at it. And the Romans wanted to make sure that Jesus stayed there, right, that tomb. Because the Jewish leaders had said, you know, he said something about coming back to life. He said something about conquering death. And so the Romans put a huge stone in front of the tomb, and then they marked it with the Roman seal, meaning if you move this stone, you will die. And they killed a lot of people. So nobody's touching that stone, right? And then they put guards around it. And so the women are going, oh, how are we going to move the stone? What's, what's going to happen? And yet when they got there, but when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Now, this was an angel. A lot of times we think about angels, and they're kind of puffy and fluffy, right? <laughs> you know, they kind of have their wings, their little halo on them, and they're harmless. They're benign. They're just little angels. But the angels in the Bible are warriors, okay? We're talking spiritual warfare 
warriors. And so here's this guy dressed in white, and he says, don't be alarmed, because I'm sure they're going, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? And he said, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen, exclamation point. Now, don't you know this angel was so excited to deliver that line? I mean, like God picking out of all the angels is like, you get to be the one. He's like, yes. And he probably practiced a hundred times, right? He has risen. You know, I mean, he's just like so pumped about that. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Wow. There's more to the story. Jesus conquers death. Now, the Easter story, you probably all of us have known the Easter story, right? I mean, we've grown up around the Easter story. We've grown up going to church, many of us, or you've grown up going to church at Easter and Christmas. You've been around. You've heard the Easter story. But there's something different about hearing the Easter story and the Easter story becoming personal. There's something different about it being something you just kind of hear about, you know some of the facts, to you being involved in that story. And Christ becoming real in your heart and your life. You see, all of us, kind of like Peter, we've got a good life, right? I mean, we do. I mean, just by virtue of living here in Franklin and Nashville and Brentwood and Spring Hill, we've got a good life. I mean, we are blessed. I mean, we've got, you know, education and we have the opportunity to study and to learn. We've got clothes to wear. Many times our hardest decision is, what am I going to wear, right? We, we have restaurants to eat at. We've got, you know, houses and cars. We, we, we've got, we're blessed, All of us, we have a good life. And yet, as I talk to hundreds of people, here's what I've discovered. Behind the veil of the good life, there are some questions. There's some secrets. People go, then there has to be something more to life, right? There's got to be something more than just living a good life. It's not just for me to be born and to go through the motions and die. There's got to be something more to this. And there's three things that I've discovered that people are saying. Even in the midst of the good life, here's what people are saying. One, people feel worn out. Maybe that's you today. People feel like, man, I'm just like a hamster on a wheel. I'm running, I'm running, but I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not making progress. I I feel exhausted. I feel worn out. The second thing I hear from people is people say, I just feel overwhelmed. (laughs) I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I've got this weight that I'm trying to hold up and I'm trying to take care of kids and parents. I'm trying to take care of people at work. I'm trying to do all this, and I just can't add another thing to my schedule. I'm overwhelmed. The third thing I hear a lot is this. People say, I just feel trapped. I feel trapped. I feel trapped in debt. I I can't get out of debt. I'm doing everything we can, but we just can't get out. I I feel trapped in a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend. I I feel trapped in a career. I feel trapped in this job. It's not going anywhere. I can see that, but I don't know what else to do. I just feel trapped. I feel trapped by people's expectations of me. I feel trapped by guilt. I just feel trapped. You ever felt like that? Worn out, overwhelmed, trapped? If you have, I've got some good news for you today. It's such good news. It's what Easter is all about. That God is here. Did you notice this in Mark chapter 16? Did you notice what the angel said? Go back to verse 6. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. 
See the place where they laid him. Look at verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. Do you see that? Go tell his disciples and Peter. Now, Peter was one of the disciples, wasn't he? Why did he say, go tell the disciples and Peter? Because God was saying this. Hey, make sure Peter knows. Make sure Peter knows that Jesus is alive. That his mistakes are not fatal. Make sure that Peter knows. I know Peter thinks that he's blown it. I know Peter thinks that, you know what, nobody can commit a sin worse than denying Christ. I know that. So make sure that Peter knows that I'm alive. And the fact of the matter is this, is God has brought you here today. Because God wants you to know that he loves you. God wants you to know that he is for you. God wants you to know that there's no sin that you have committed where he says, hey, I'm going to turn my back from you. That God is with you. And Easter shows us that there is more to life. There is an eternity that waits. That this life is the only introduction. That the best is yet to be. And we can live life with power and with hope because of Christ. See, what Christ is inviting you into is this. He's inviting you into a covenant relationship with him. Not just religion, where you sit outside as a spectator and kind of watch everything take place. God's inviting you into the story. God's inviting you to make Lord Jesus personal in your life. And that's what happened with Peter. You know, the angel says, hey, go tell Peter that Jesus is alive. And tell Peter that Jesus is going to be waiting for him up in Galilee. Now, Galilee is where Peter's fishing business was. Galilee is where Jesus spent so much of his earthly ministry. And Peter goes immediately with all the disciples, and they head up there. Jesus appeared to over 500 people after he was resurrected. And Peter and the disciples are out there, and Jesus is on the shore cooking breakfast for them. I knew you guys were going to come. I've been pursuing you. I've been waiting for you. And they all come up there, and Jesus looks straight at Peter, and he says this in John chapter 21. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yes, 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 you know I love you. Uh, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? What was Jesus doing? Jesus was moving it from the head to the heart. Jesus was saying, it's not just enough to know about me. I want you to know me. I'm inviting you into a relationship with me. I'm inviting for you to follow me with your life because there is so much more, Peter. And I'm not done with you. I have a great plan for you. You are mine and I love you. Jesus asked him three times. Why? Because Peter denied him three times. Jesus met him in his lowest point of his life that Jesus forgives him and redeems him and restores him. Do you know that Jesus forgives you? I mean, all the things and the mistakes that we've made, that Jesus forgives you. That Jesus loves you. And his grace is sufficient for whatever you're facing. Jesus often talked about the kingdom of God, and and he would tell stories. They were parables, but they were like earthly stories that had heavenly meanings. And he would tell parables like the kingdom of heaven is like, and A lot of times he would use wedding as an example. He would say the kingdom of heaven is like a a man throwing a big wedding for his son. 
And back then, I mean, Jewish weddings were huge. I mean, you got to understand, they didn't have any other entertainment, right? I mean, it was like the whole village turned out for a wedding. And he says, you know, this man goes out and he sends invitations, to, and people start making excuses. No, I can't come. I can't do that. I can't. He's like, well, go invite everybody because this is a big deal. And at Jewish weddings, man, it's a huge deal. At Jewish weddings, they have what's called a hoopah. And this is a hoopah right here. We have another one on the other side. It's spelled C-H-U-P-P-A-H. But a hoopah is something at every Jewish wedding. And you have the four corners here, and people would sit out here for the wedding. And then you have the attendants that are out here. But at a special moment during the ceremony, the couple is invited to come into the hoopah. And into the hoopah, this represents God's covering. It represents God's blessing. And they come into the hoopah, and it's in here, under God's covering and blessing, that they make their commitment to one another. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health, and forsaking all others. Till death do us part. And they share this commitment, this intimate moment, this holy moment here. They give each other a sign or a symbol of that outward commitment. For us, it's the wedding ring, right? The wedding ring is that outward sign. Hey, I'm taken. I've given my heart, you know. I'm taken. I've made a commitment. It's the hoopah. And Jesus talked about this a lot. Why? Because this is the kind of relationship he's inviting you into. He's not just inviting you to be a spectator and to sit out there and just go, yeah, it's great, it's good. He's inviting you to come in. To engage in the Easter story through a personal relationship with him. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others. But under God's covering and God's blessing, we don't have to say till death do us part, do we? Why? Because Jesus conquered death. And Jesus made a way for us to have eternal life with God. And the outward symbol is not a ring. The outward symbol is baptism of what God has done in my life. God has redeemed and restored me, and I have decided to follow him. He is the Lord of my life and the joy of my heart. This covenant relationship. This is when you become a part of the Easter story. Not just knowing it in your head, but knowing it in your heart. And think about the difference that happened for Peter. Here was a guy who was scared. Here was a guy who was lonely. Here was a guy who was afraid. Here was a guy who thought all hope was gone. And then the resurrection. And then making that commitment. Yes, I will follow you, Jesus. Yes, whatever comes. And you know what? God used Peter to change the world. I mean, God used this man. And he took a man who was worn out and he used him in a great way. He filled him with power. He filled him with love. He filled him with faith. He filled him with trust. So much so that we've got St. Peter's Basilica today. Right? Peter would have ever dreamed that. He's like, I'm an ordinary fisherman. Are you kidding me? How in the world? You know what? It's not you, Peter. It's God working through you. It's you becoming involved and engaged in the bigger story of what God's doing in the world. This is what God wants for you and for me. God's not finished with any of us. You know what? There's still breath in your lungs for a reason and for a purpose. And God is drawing you in and inviting you to something so much more. I want you to see this video right now. And this is a couple who started to come to church about a year ago. And I just want you to see the difference that God's made in their life 
through a commitment to Christ. Karen, Elliot, thank you so much for just sharing a little bit of your story. Tell me about before you started coming to Rolling Hills, before you kind of really committed to Christ, what was your life like? What was going on? On the surface, it was, um, you know, we have two beautiful children. We have good jobs. We have great family. Um, live in a great community. But um, I would say under the surface, um, we were we were barely hanging on, I think, as a couple. And um, we just had years and years of just, you know, difficulties and, and stress that just we had a lot of just anger and resentment and it was just it was really just hard to imagine us continuing you know as a family and you know we talk to people and friends and, and family and so many people tell you that you know well, you deserve to be happy and you know it's it's you can you know you guys need to give up and you just need to move on and it's just not what we wanted to hear um, we didn't want to move on we, we wanted things to to work. Mm. A year and a half ago today, I could not imagine fast forward and, and being in a place where where we where we were happy and um, and moving on. We just we just were really broken. So what was the turning point? What was the what was the change? What happened? Well, Claudia was invited to come to Rolling Hills with mm. a really sweet friend, and she did. And then she asked us to you know go as a family the next week, and we did. And we're in this, you know, church, and there's like this joyful worship, and it was, it was different for us, and it wasn't, but it was intimidating. But uh, and then the next week, the kids just assumed we were going again, so there was no like asking if we're going to go, and it was okay. Well, we got to get to Rolling Hills at whatever time, and at that time, I know I, I just needed grace more than anything else in my life. I just felt like I needed grace. I felt like I wasn't a good mom or wife or wasn't really doing great at anything and I just needed to feel that but then learning you know through the sermons and just the consistency and the message that you have to give grace too and giving grace means forgiving and that just really kind of started to change how we you know talked with each other and with just situations outside of our family even but then uh, we were invited to you know participate in the community group we were beyond intimidated when we came to the door that first night. We just had absolutely no idea what to expect. Within hardly any time, we remember like leaving community group and just being like, we love these people. And looking back, we see all those, you know, obvious signs that there's no doubt in my mind that God was with us, even at the worst times and the darkest times that he was with us. And was putting these people in these situations in our life to um, to help us. I guess I'm the type of person where I need to, it's, it's a slow process for me. Some Christians um, see the light and God is with them, and it wasn't like that for me. Um, I, I'm not ashamed of saying that because it's just the way I am. But over the last 18 months, it's been a slow process, but I am, it's step by step, God is with me. I can feel it now. It's just, it's amazing. It truly is. What's the difference been in your, in your marriage or in your family I mean, since Christ is coming in and the work that God's been doing in your lives? 
I think that the biggest change is that, you know, we still have, you know, we have teenage kids and we have demanding jobs and we have um, aging parents and, you know, all of those things that, that, that we had before. So nothing on the surface changed, but now we have, you know, the resources and like the toolbox to, to deal with those things. And we have this community that supports us and holds us accountable, but loves us and loves our family. And, you know, that's what helps you, you know, get through those things. You're still gonna have them, but we have these this great tools that we didn't have before. You talk in your sermon about opening yourself up and being vulnerable. And um, that, when I heard that, it just resonated in me that I want to move forward with God and my family, my relationship with my wife. I have to let down, my, let down those, um, those walls, bring down those walls so that I can grow and become a better person. And uh, it's really changed my life. What would you guys say to other people who are kind of in the same situation you were? You know, we had to be very vulnerable. We had to really do something different. We knew it, the way things were going, and if we had kept doing the same thing that we were doing, we have a pretty good idea of where we would have been. It was just so important to keep our family together, but we just didn't know how to do that. One thing I think you mentioned is if, you know, if you're not moving forward, you're moving back with your marriage or with your relationship with God. And that's something I really took to heart is, am I moving forward or am I moving back? Because staying in the middle, it really, that place doesn't really exist. Wow. Easter shows us never give up. Like Elliot said, you're either moving forward or you're moving back. You're either moving forward in your marriage or you're moving back. You're either moving forward in life or you're moving back. You're either moving forward in your relationship with God or, or you're drifting back. See, you never drift into discipleship, right? We always drift toward the things of this world. You have to be intentional to come back to the heart of a God who says, I love you. I care about you. Jesus' resurrection means this. It means that there is life and there is hope for us. It means that God's not finished with us, that God is still writing our story. God is for us. The Bible says, for it is by grace you, personal, you have been saved. This is not of yourselves, right? It's a gift of God, not by works. It's not by what you do. It's by what he's done so that no one can boast. It's all about him. When you and I, when we sinned, we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. But the good news of Easter is, is that when we couldn't pay the price because the wages of sin is death, holy God, sinful man, that Jesus came and paid the price for us. It's called substitutionary atonement. He took our place. He paid the price. There's a remedy for all that we go through. You know, smallpox has killed more people than all the wars combined. But there is a remedy. But you have to take it. You have to receive it. And you have to live it. And baptism is that outward symbol of this commitment to Christ. And you join in a church and you walk arm in arm. And you say, we need the body of Christ to challenge, to hold me accountable, to encourage me, to help me become the man or the woman that God called and created me to be. God is doing something great. And God wants to do something great in you. 
And no matter what you're facing today, our God is greater. No matter what struggle you're facing, everybody's fighting a battle. Our God is greater. And if Jesus could beat death, the big bully on the block for which everybody was afraid, Jesus can stand up for whatever's going on in your life. He is stronger and he is greater. And he is drawing you to himself. And this is where life makes sense. This is the more of life that we all need and all desire. This is when Easter becomes personal. I want to ask you to do something. Inside your worship guide, there's a communication card. And I want to ask everybody to take that out right now. Just if you could pull this out. Hopefully you've had the chance to fill out the front. But, but on the back, this is, this is for all of us. You know, Easter is a great time for us to kind of take a spiritual inventory of your life. So often we're busy in life and we're running from event to event or we're driving kids to all these different places and we never stop and just say, how am I spiritually? And spiritually is the most important thing in your life and yet we get busy with everything else. And so this morning on the back is just a place for a spiritual inventory. I want everybody to mark this. Where are you today? Would you just be honest? Like Karen and Elliot, just be vulnerable, just be real. Maybe today you want to mark A. You know what? I'm accepting Christ. There is a new day dawning in my life, right? The Easter story is becoming personal. I'm stepping in. I'm stepping in for the glory of God. I'm stepping in because I want to be who God called and created me to be. I'm accepting Christ today. Maybe for you it's B. Maybe for you you've seen baptisms and saying, that, that's me. I've kind of been scared. I've been over here. And, and yet God's called me to stand up and to make a commitment to be bold. Maybe for you it's see. You know what? I am committed to Jesus as his disciple and I'm living my life for him. And maybe you look today at your life and you just go, you know what? I'm in. <laughs> I'm following Jesus for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health because death will never do us part. I am committed. Praise God. Or maybe D. It's all right. Maybe D. I don't know. I don't know about Jesus and his claims. Every one of us is going to have to give an answer about what we believe about Jesus. And what do you believe? And if you don't know, it's okay. Ask. Mark that. We would love to meet with you. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to grab coffee, sit down, and just have a conversation. Maybe for you, you have a prayer request or a prayer need. Mark that on here. As a staff, we pray through every prayer request. We've seen God do miracles. We've seen God heal marriages. We've seen God restore lives. We've seen hope come into hopeless situations. Just write it down and say, hey, I need hope. I need help. Because there is a God who will hear your prayers and a God who will answer. Guys, this is one of those holy moments. God is here. And God loves you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it this Easter. So, Father, here we are as your disciples. Gathered in your name. And, God, we want to live our lives for you. We don't want to get caught up in the, quote, good life and settle for things that are so much less than what you desire for us. God, we want to reach our full potential in you. So this morning, I pray today, God, that Easter and Jesus would move from our head to our heart. The 18 inches from our head to our heart changes everything. And God, that we would come alive. Thank you that you conquered death. 
that you made a way for us to have eternal life with you, made a way for us to see our loved ones again, Father, that our mistakes are not final, that our life matters. Thank you for Easter. And Father God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Wow, praise be to God. Praise be to God for Easter, for the grace and the hope and the peace and the purpose that we receive. God is for you. This time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward, and this is a time for us to give back. You know what? We've all been blessed, haven't we? And sometimes we think we've been blessed just for us to get more and more stuff, but really, we've been blessed for us to be a blessing, to us to be generous, to give back to others. And so thanks for taking an opportunity this morning to respond to God. As the offering basket comes by, not only do we give financially, but we also make our commitment. If you have a prayer request or your commitment to Him, just drop in the offering basket. And I want to ask you to do something else, too. I want to ask you, as the offering basket comes by, just think about placing your own heart, your own life in the basket. That your life would be an offering. God, I want to live my life for you. This Easter, I want to come alive. I want to live my life for a greater purpose. For your glory. So let me say a really short prayer and then we'll have a chance to respond. God, thank you. Thank you for your presence today. Oh God, we sent you. Thank you that you are for us. God, I do thank you that you've blessed us. God, you've given us so much clothes and homes and, and, and cars and education and all the things. And I pray, God, that it wouldn't become about stuff for us. God, that we would get a bigger vision and we would be generous. And we would share and we would love. So thank you for Jesus. And thank you for a chance to give back. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we give. Amen. 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 While you have a a chance to respond to God, uh, I want to encourage you to come back next week. Next week, we're going to have the conclusion of this series, God's Pursuit of You. And we're going to have a celebration. You know, just like with any wedding, there's a reception afterwards. We're going to have a a big celebration next week and just rejoice at what God's doing in our lives individually and in what God's doing in our lives as a church. So watch this trailer right now. How great it is to be unconditionally loved, pursued. Every mountaintop, you were there. Every valley, you were with me. You remain the same yesterday, today, and forever always by my side, always pursuing me, always giving me a purpose, always with me. Today, I celebrate who you are and who I am in you. Today marks the beginning of my life with you. The celebration has just begun. Uh, next Sunday is going to be a great day, so don't miss at 9.30 and 11. It's going to be a great celebration. Also, if you want to know more about getting involved at church inside your worship guide, there's opportunities from baptism information classes to partnership classes. We call people who are members partners, and maybe you've been kind of a spectator. Maybe it's time to step in and participate and join the church. Jump in and get involved. God's doing great things here. It's awesome. It's exciting. Also, you know, there's opportunities for men. We have Men's Leadership Network that will be starting up again on April 7th. And there's opportunities for women with if tables. Great opportunities for us to grow spiritually in our life and to be strengthened in our relationships with Him and with one another. 
Uh, this morning, as we close, uh, in just a moment, after the service, I'm going to be here. There'll be people on our staff, our pastoral care team. We'd love to talk with you, love to pray with you, whatever's going on in your life. Just know you're not alone. There's a God who is for you, and there's a church that wants to walk with you. Also, the hoopas are open if you want to come in and, and pray, maybe together as a couple, if you want to pray for your marriage, or if you want to pray together as a family. But this is a great time for us. Let's stand together, and, and as we stand, would, would you just turn to somebody and tell them Happy Easter? Give them a hug or just a handshake, a pat. Just tell them Happy Easter. It's Easter, church. Awesome. And now will you repeat? I'm going to say he is risen. Will you say he is risen indeed? You ready? He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. God, thank you that Christ is risen. Thank you for life and for hope and for help in this world. Thank you that Jesus conquered death and made a way for us to have eternal life with you. Thank you for Easter. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. Have a great Easter. God bless. Thanks for being here.